mtcradio.com presents ham radio 360 the podcast with your host kale nelson k4 cdn hey guys i'm kale k4 cdn host of ham radio 360.com the podcast i'm not in dayton right now but i'm on my way tomorrow morning but my buddy George, KJ6VU, he's there. He was there for the kickoff of Four Days in May this morning, where our friend Eric from Ellacraft, WA6HHQ, was there to officially introduce the brand-new KX2. Now, most of you have already seen or heard about the KX2, but George got to sit down with Eric following the presentation to kind of get some nuts and bolts, some, uh, some really deep information on the brand-new rig. We're going to play that interview for you here in just a sec, along with the entire Four Days in May keynote kickoff address. Now, we're going to try to, at the end of every day of the Hamvention here, put together a podcast that we can share with you some highlights from the day. Make sure you're tuning in, you're subscribing to this podcast channel so you can get those updates in your box at the end of every day. In addition to that, I myself and Jeremy, KF7IJZ, plan to be very busy on Twitter. That will more than likely be our official feed spot. So if you want to know what's going on in Dayton with us, make sure you're following me at HamRadio360 and Jeremy at KF7IJZ. Look forward to catching up with you guys this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now let's get to George and we'll learn more about the KX2. So we're at FDIM this morning with Eric Schwartz, co-founder of Ellacraft. This morning, Eric made a very exciting new announcement, so we're going to talk about a new radio that Ellacraft is showing here at Dayton Hambench. Good morning, Eric. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing, George? I'm doing great, thanks. So tell us about the new radio. Well, we uh, we shrunk the KX3. You know, we, we shrunk the K3 and the K3S to get down to the KX3, and now we've shrunk the KX3 and we've introduced the KX2, which is uh, yeah, even more so of the ultimate portable out-of-your-pocket now. Uh, HF transceiver you can take with you, uh, portable, portable to the mountaintop for soda, portable to your couch for TV DXing, um, portable to the backyard certainly, or uh, anywhere you want to go with it, or even mobile. So it's uh, it's a neat radio. So we, we've seen a big interest in soda. We've seen a really big interest in portable operation. Do you see that uh, in your customers uh, demanding more portable radios? Um, as opposed to, let's say, home-based radios? Or what do you think the big trend is? Well, actually, we see it as both. Um, it's interesting. In the case of the KX3, for instance, where we call it the KX line when you add the pan adapter and, and the 100-watt amplifier for, for a full station. A lot of folks now have that as their home station, their, main st- their only home station. And they'll then pick up the KX3 and, and take it portable with them. And I think even in the case of the KX2, it's a more portable radio. It weighs half the size and half the volume of a KX3. But uh, it's 180-meter through 10-meter uh, all mode, or not mobile mode, but uh, CW sideband and data mode uh, transceiver, um, DSP based with a 32-bit DSP inside, similar to the KX3. That um, that is something that people certainly will take portable with them or mobile, and so on. I mean, the idea is that quick grab and go radio, or even if you want to just grab and listen to something while you're on the couch, um, um, that will be really handy for that. And I think we see that a lot with all of our radios, especially the smaller ones. But, um, you know, like a lot of us, it's a lot of fun just to operate with a small radio from home, too. So um, I've certainly had my collection of small radios going back even to, like, the NorCal 40 that uh, uh, Wayne worked on. And, and I built one of the first ones way back in the, um, in the 90s and uh, worked people on 40 meters at, you know, low power with that and turned off my big station and I found I was on that for weeks at a time. So I think we'll see it both places. So when I first uh, used my my KX1 way back when, I thought that was brilliant because 
the form factor, the ergonomics of the KX1 was really ideal for portable, unlike all the other radios that were knobs on the end of a classic radio. So does the KX2 follow that same kind of form factor? Yeah, the KX2, like the KX1 and the KX3, is what we would call a trail-friendly radio with all the controls on the larger top surface. Um, so you can set it down on table or in your lap and just operate. It's looking at you instead of at your belly button. You're actually looking at the radio. Um, one interesting uh, tidbit is that the KX2 is almost identical in size to the KX1. And of course, the KX1 was a, a 2 to 4 watt uh, CW only, uh, limited number of bands uh, transceiver, but it was a great portable radio. It had an optional internal auto tuner and an optional, or not optional, but battery you could put inside and so on. Um, in the case of the uh, KX2, again, almost the same size, but you have an 80 through 10 meter radio with auto tuner, with internal uh, optional lithium ion battery, with, uh, of course, all mode, or no, it's high band CW data. Um, and really quite a bit more packed in that package, of course, than, than the KX1, but amazingly in that same size. So we've certainly come a lot of in the last 10, 12 years in technology to be able to do that. So if you were uh, looking for a portable radio today and you think about the KX3, for example, is really the benchmark for kind of the high-end portable radios, QRP, or even a little bit higher than QRP power levels, how would you compare the, the KX2 to the KX3? Why, why would someone pick one over the other? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge. We, of course, we hope they, they get both. That's always the case in a company like ourselves. But uh, And actually, um, certainly they have a little bit different target range in terms of the KX2 being more for that ultra-portable, lightweight, uh, take-it-out uh, mode. The KX, it'll, they both certainly are used at home. The KX3 has uh, obviously that ability to, to flesh out with a pan adapter, whereas you can't add the pan adapter to the KX2. It just wasn't enough room to bring that circuitry out and, and get a clean signal out for the IQ output to do that. So for someone that wants to get the more full-fledged station they can use at home or portable, the KX3 is going to be there. And it's a little higher power. It's 15 watts versus 10 um, the, uh, of course, wider frequency range coverage, the KX3 can cover 160 um, and, two, and 6 meters and also a 2-meter option, whereas the KX2 is limited to that core range of uh, 80 through 10 meters for portable operation. Um, but uh, So I think you'll see them, and, and I, actually our market research when we were talking to all of our customers, they were actually asking us for this. I mean, that's how these products come about. We don't just dream them up by ourselves. When people talk on our email reflector, we actually do write things down. We don't always say anything to people. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. But some percentage, you know, it finds its way into into our products. And in this case, we really did, did, what got fed back is guys saying, hey, I'd, I'd love my KX3, and I'd also like this. So that was sort of cool. But I'm sure that people will buy both so it'll or buy just one or the other. And I think that, um, you know, obviously, if you're looking for a the home station and be able to go portable with the full-fledged feature set of the KX3, a little bit larger front panel, um, though they have the same K3-style display on them, which is great, um, versus the more ultra-portable, quick grab-and-go, you know, lightweight, small, uh, something you could literally not be tired carrying in a backpack for hours on end and things like that. Um, though both of them are good for that. This, you know, the KX2 may be more popular for that group. So the KX2 is really not a, a CW QRP kind of radio. I mean, it's CW plus sideband and other modes, isn't it? Exactly. It it handles actually internal. Of course, you can hook a sound card up to it and do any data mode you wanted to if you had a computer or a laptop handy. But the uh, KX3 has, uh, of course, CW. You can plug in uh, one of our paddles to the front. Uh, the KX3, uh, PD3, which we already make for the KX3, will plug into this. We have a new paddle called the KX PD2, which is smaller size and lightweight. Uh, that will also plug into both radios. Um, you can plug in a regular microphone to it, our MH3, or you can plug it for sideband operation. Um, in the case of the KX3, by the way, that can handle sideband, 
uh, AM and FM, whereas um, in case of voice modes, it's just sideband in the case of the KX2. So slight differentiation there. The, um, but the key thing is is, is that you've, you've got also a built-in microphone on the KX2, so if you're really in a pinch and you want to get on the radio, you can hold it up walkie-talkie style and, uh, and talk to some people. And it actually sounds pretty good. Of course, a built-in speaker, too. And are there accessories that are available for the KX2 specifically, or are there compatibility with the KX3 series accessories? Actually, both. Uh, we call it the KX line for both of them. And we actually, one of the flyers is a four-page flyer that shows both products, shows the, the unique uh, peripherals for them and add-on options, and the, uh, the ones that are uh, unique to each area. In the case of the KX2, um, it, like the KX3, it has its own internal auto-tuner, which is optimized for the 80 through 10 frequency range. Same algorithm, same basically switched efficient L network like we have in the KX3 and our, and our K3 also. Uh, it also has an internal uh, option for a um, uh, add-on little real-time clock and also two general-purpose IOs. This is more for experimentation, so you can turn things on and off from by function keys in the front if you want to program it. So who knows what people come with for that? Come up for that. And it's quite low cost, too, for that option. And the other key thing, though, is KX3, we had AA cells that you could put into it, either alkaline or put your own nickel metal hydrides that into it. Um, a smaller size and also lighter weight and more current, we got um, a 2.6-amp-hour lithium-ion battery with internal protection uh, that plugs into it uh, inside. And it uh, gives you just a nice, you know, full operation weekend, you know, in a single battery type operation. Um, now, beyond that, um, the external options are crossover with the KX3. Uh, this can also drive our 100-watt external amplifier or the 500-watt. Then they won't get fully to 500 watts with, with 10 watts of drive. But um, it'll drive the 100-watt KXPA100 to full power. It will uh, it'll work with... Um, um, well, in the case of the K3 with the external pan adapter and stuff too. So, but in the case of the KX3 with the 100-watt amplifier. And, and if you're going to run external power, let's say you, you want a larger battery pack, uh, is there a 12-volt DC jack on the radio? Oh, of course, yeah. We have the standard 2.1-millimeter circular uh, power jack for it. Uh, interesting enough, you could actually carry a second one of these lithium-ion batteries. We have an internal, internal 2.1 jack that that battery plugs into when it's inside the radio. You can quickly change them. You just pop off the back cover, which just has the speaker on it, two little thumb screws, and off it comes. And you can change the battery. pops in and out in about 30 seconds. Um, or you could just plug it in externally. If the other batteries run down, it'll take power from the external power supply or battery in this case. So you, it'll, you can work both. So it sounds like the perfect portable radio. And I know a lot of guys are looking at different kinds of radios for soda. They're looking at radios from all the different vendors. They're using 100-watt mobile radios thrown in a backpack, which is heavy and consumes a lot of power, or they're using some of the QRP radios, which have a lot of features. Uh, when you look at the KX2 and you compare it to the other radios in the market, what are the real standout features? So if I were going to buy a radio today and uh, I decided I want to buy the KX2, I'd buy it because of what? Well, you'd buy it for several reasons. One, certainly it's probably the smallest uh, full band coverage you know, for HF bands, multi-mode, and DSP-based high-performance radio out there. Like our other radios, it's very high-performance receiver design. Uh, KX3 edges it out just by a little bit, but it's right up there. It's, it's going to be a great radio that way. So you're going to get a great performing, lightweight, low-current drain. We can drain a, down to 135 milliamps, even with the DSP chip in there. You won't see that many radios at all. Um, and it, uh, of course, has the sort of Ellicraft ergonomics and design, easy to use. Uh, both receiver, we've got you know phenomenal receive filtering in the DSP. 
Uh, we've got, uh, the, as I mentioned, the built-in data modes. You literally can send, uh, in addition to CW with the, a, a paddle, either yours plugged into the side or our, pa- our paddle plugged in the front, you can use that paddle to uh, send, if you can send good CW, uh, have it us decode it and then send it out as RTTY or PSK31 or PSK, I think it's 63. Um, and then it'll decode those on the way back in. So you've got that full functionality. It's really... Uh, the only radio with that level of feature set that's also lightweight, low current drain, and tiny. I mean, you can literally just about almost put it in your pocket. Could you tell us a little bit more about the receiver's architecture? There's a lot of talk these days about software-defined radios, and there's various ways to build software-defined radios, both in hardware and also the user interface. When we talk about an SDR, we look at the KX3. Is the KX3 an SDR architecture? What's the actual internal hardware design look like? Both the KX3 and the KX2 share the same uh, SDR architecture. Uh, We use a quadrature uh, mixing detector to mix directly down to baseband. We go directly into the DSP, and we call INQ internally, um, uh, signals for that. And the DSP, um, in the case of the KX2, does all the filtering, demodulation, modulation, uh, noise blanking, noise reduction, Vox. It's all done in that chip. Um, That's true in the KX3 also. Um, So both those radios uh, share that architecture from a DSP standpoint. They're both running 32-bit DSPs. Um, That gives us a tremendous amount of flexibility. Um, We can add features at will, and you can download new ones to the radio. People come up with new ideas for, um, well, we added an automatic peaking filter like in the K3 and then the KX3 that peaks up almost like a regenerative uh, Q multiplier back in the old days. Um, So you could listen to signals that were right at the noise floor. It wouldn't be used to filter out other signals. It was more just to bring up weak signals right at the noise floor. Um, and uh, people wanted us to fine-tune how that worked, so it would be more like this radio and more like that. Well, we could change the code at will until we fine-tuned it for people until they liked what we had. So we can add new features at will, both from a, just a functionality standpoint in terms of user interface and from a, um, um, you know, a DSP feature standpoint. But the other key thing with our radios is they feel like analog radios. You're talking about a radio that's got a VFO knob, it's got buttons on the front, it's got a nice clean display on the front, and it oper- you're not using a computer to operate it. You can certainly plug a computer into these. In the case of the both radios, you can control and log and everything over a USB or serial port to the radio. Um, and in the case of uh, the KX3, of course, there's even an IQ output on the KX3 that you could run into a laptop and, and get a basic um, pan adapter function out of it, though our, our PX3 pan adapter actually gets a little bit more sensitive and down to the noise floor of the radio, which is great. So the radio operates at a level where intuitively you sit down and you can operate it. You don't have to learn how to use a computer or anything like that. But it's got all those advanced features you get from the SDR at the same time. There's a lot of confusion about SDR, I think, because when people think SDR, they think of the first SDR radios, which are all requiring a computer as the user interface. And now we're seeing SDR architecture, but traditional user interface of knobs and display. So it's exciting to see that new technology giving you so many features, but being able to give the user the same traditional kind of radio look and feel as they've had with radios all along. Oh, absolutely, because really it's all about ergonomics. Um, And... What's the optimal interface for using um, a product, like a radio in this case, uh, for whatever purpose you have? And for most ham radio operating, I think the knob interface is still the most efficient. Does it mean it's the only one? No. There's times it probably makes sense for some cases for people to use a computer um, to operate the radio, and we see that a lot. So we try to give them that flexibility in a lot of our radios. But in the case of something like a KX2, where you're taking it out into the field, you're not going to want to lug. You might want to lug along a, a smartphone or something to log on or something, but you're not going to use a um, use a large computer in most cases. So well, your radio is drawing 130 mils, and your computer is drawing four amps, so it doesn't doesn't make much sense. But having everything really run in uh, the signal 
processing system, getting the power consumption so low. I think some of the hallmarks of, of Elecraft have been amazing performance at really low power consumption, very small packages. And in a way beyond that, my experience with Elecraft anyway has been very responsive support and continual updates through software. And I assume that the KX2 has an ability to update firmware over time. Yeah, it's exactly the same as our other radios, so the K3 and the KX3. Um, we give you a little free utility off our website that runs either on uh, Windows, Mac OSs, and, uh, and Linux. And you can download the latest uh, software whenever we release that. It just You hit a button and away it goes. It'll pull it off the Internet and, and put it on there. Uh, you mentioned support. That's a big thing for us. And certainly one of our biggest selling points outside of the actual radios themselves is that we won't let you fail, either in terms of if you're building a kit from us or just learning how to operate the radio if something goes wrong. Um, you break it, who knows? But we, we're, the guys will talk to you on the phone. We actually are there. We talk on the phone, not just by email, though we do that a lot too. Um, there's always someone uh, there to, to uh, help you out and get things going. So it, it, it's an important thing for us. I hire people that really care about, and their hams certainly is the support side, uh, but they're good support people. They're good troubleshooters. They're good explainers, um, and they're patient because we, we all get frustrated and, and stuff, and we want to you know, solve a problem quickly, and they'll hang in there with you until, until you figure out either what it is you're, you want to fix or, or, or missed in the manual or whatever it might be. Uh, they're going to get you running. And that's really important, especially with radios like this where there's so many features and you, you have a great support community, so that's really super. Yeah, you mentioned support community. Actually, our, our number one tech support group is our customers out there. We have an email discussion list and throughout a whole bunch of Yahoo groups and everything else out there. I mean, that's like our fr- first line of defense. I mean, I couldn't hire enough support engineers. You know, uh, these guys are, are wonderful. All of, you, all of you guys, I should say, we're talking to now, um, you know, they've been so enthusiastic about telling their friends and helping them with the product that uh, that certainly makes it manageable for us on our end, but we're there as that ultimate backstop for it. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, just uh, you know, stop by if you're here at the show, but uh, or you know, contact us afterwards, and we'll be glad to talk to you about the KX2 and the other products we've got coming out and, and have out now. Um, we've certainly we've been here now for uh, is it our 16th or 17th year? I'm losing track now. It's it's been quite a while, and it's amazing. We've we've grown every year, and uh, we've got a great crowd uh, working for us, a great team. And, of course, great customer base out there. But we enjoy working with you guys uh, out there, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun for us still, which is important. But uh, tell us what you want in terms of future products. Uh, tell us uh, you know, uh, what you like about what we do, things like that, and also what doesn't work. We, we, we're, we're pretty thick-skinned. We want to hear the things that don't work well for you so we can improve on that because that's part of our goal. And uh, we'll be there for you. It's a lot of fun. So with the, with the future in mind, uh, before we wrap up, I know you, you can't tell us about any new products. You can't really spill the beans about what's coming down the pipe. But when you think about uh, where the amateur radio world is going, where the technology is going, where you see your company's interests going, are there some broad general directions? What do you see as the future of the technology over the next several years? Boy, that's a tough one. It changes so quickly sometimes that we're even surprised what we have out two or three years you know, in the future. Uh, we've always got ideas in the lab that we're playing around with, and then they finally coalesce into a radio or product for it. Um, you know, certainly the digital signal processing stuff and software-defined stuff I think is here to stay. Um, I think there's going to be challenges uh, as we go forward and add more features. We want to make sure we keep it easy to use. So that's, that's a key thing for us. Um, and also easy to, to repair and, and maintain. You know, your board swaps are easy to get to the component level and stuff. So we'll keep working on that. The uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I already have my new product announcement out today. So the KX2 is the big one. It was interesting. Uh, I don't know if you're, you're, all the listeners will be aware of this, but uh, we had an unintentional uh, leak 
um, uh, yesterday before the show um, of the KX2, and a lot of our information showed up on the web. I guess partially through our fault. It, it, uh, it wasn't an illicit leak, but it uh, it uh, got out there and uh, was not on purpose. But uh, boy, it sure generated a lot of buzz out there. And so we, we uh, showed up today, and everybody sort of knew what we were talking about. They're not exactly. See here, I thought that was a piece of brilliant viral marketing in your part. Well, I'll take credit for it as much as I can. But <laughs> well, what we did is we ran with it. Once it happened, it uh, it uh, people certainly like to talk about news, and uh, and they were talking about the KX2 a lot of places. And I'm sure that'll keep happening. We we uh, we've seen very strong response so far. We're when the show starts tomorrow. I think it's. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting day. Hopefully, we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, be able to survive the whole day and and uh, get to bed at a reasonable hour. The last thing we'll end up with is price and availability. I understand you've got some here at the show, but if someone is not here at the show to pick one up and they're listening perhaps a few days or a week from now and they uh, want to go buy a radio, will they be available? Absolutely. This is actually a first for us in terms of radios. Usually, uh, we announce the radio in advance of actually shipping it. Um, this year, we were able to actually, with the KX2, have it in production prior to the show. So we've been building these for a little bit before the show. And nice and stable. Um, these are you know full production radios. Uh, it's It's been from field test to production a very clean road now. We're, we're very happy with it. So I brought a bunch of radios to the show. I don't think we'll take any home based on the feedback I got in the presentation uh, this morning. Uh, we already have them at the factory. Um, we go live later this morning uh, on the web. So by the time your, your listeners hear this, uh, certainly it's, it's, it'll be fully up on the web. They can download data sheets and, and order right away. And, and depending on the rate of orders that we get, uh, we may or may not get backlog, but we're trying to stay ahead of it. I can tell you we planned, uh, based on our experience with the KX3 when we introduced that, we planned for a pretty aggressive ramp on this. So we've got a lot of material product in the pipeline. Uh, you know, occasionally a supplier uh, hiccups and doesn't get stuff to us on time, and you'll see a short-term backlog. But I don't uh, foresee seeing anything like what we saw um, with the KX3 or the K3, uh, where we had uh, you know multi-month backlogs uh, trying to catch up because people kept ordering faster than we could ramp up. I think we'll be ahead of this one because we've got, well, of course, a more mature manufacturing process, um, and it's got a lot of crossover with the KX3. So our test procedures, our suppliers, everybody really understands what they're making. Um, including our uh, subcontractors and stuff. So I think uh, based on what I've got at the factory right now for stock and the new stuff that's in the pipeline, I think we'll be in pretty good shape. So go ahead and check us out, and we'll try to get them out to you. So the last question is price. So could you break down the pricing on the the radio and the accessories? Yeah, the radio, um, the KX3, um, is offered built, and it's uh, $749.95, but I'll drop the 95 cents off for the uh, talking about them here. Um, That's the core radio, um, all mode, uh, 80 through 10 meters, uh, I'll mode again, sideband, CW, and the data modes. And it um, can have internally, of course, internally battery pack, which I believe is $59.95 for this uh, lithium-ion battery pack with internal short protection, internal overcurrent protection. It's hard to melt it down, so I think it'll be a good battery pack. To be, we have, we, we've not been able to hurt them yet. Um, we have a little charger for that. You, externally, you can plug it into for, I think, $25, $24.95. Uh, we have the internal auto-tuner. I think it's one seventy nine ninety five, and uh, I'm doing this off memory here. And it's uh, after several cups of coffee and not much sleep last night. So if I'm off five or ten dollars, don't hold me to it. But it's, it'll be on the web too. But I believe it's one seventy nine ninety five for the auto tuner. Um, we have, uh, of course, the external KXPA one hundred. Those are like I think nine forty nine kit or no, is that right? No six. 
749K? I, I've forgotten now. It's, I, I go back and look. But that works on both radios, so you can plug the KX2 uh, into that amplifier. Uh, but then uh, we've got some soft cases for it uh, that are we call the CS60 and the CS40. The CS60, you can fit the radio, microphone, your antenna, all your accessories, and it's a little tiny padded case you can carry around with you and uh, doesn't take up a lot of space, like a camera case, and a small one. And then we have a smaller one called the CS40. You can almost put on your belt, so you can have a, a shack, literally an HF shack on your belt now, and be legit walking down the road and working some HF. Maybe even put a whip antenna on it. And That'd be very stylish. <laughs> well, stylish at Dayton. Stylish, You'd fit right in. Stylish for ham radio. Well, at Dayton, I don't know. We, if you guys have multiple radios in their belts at Dayton, so we, uh, we'll fit right in, I think. The base radio is about 750, yeah. and then by the time you get the antenna tuner, battery charger, you know the basic accessories you'd really want. You're looking at about a thousand dollars. I think just over a thousand if you load it up. You don't have to buy it all at once. So the, the, the auto tuner, for instance, you can plug in in the back. It's not a complicated install at all, um, and certainly the battery just drops in. So um, those are the main internal functions. This little KX IO2 option we have, I think it's sixty-nine dollars. It gives you that real-time clock and the uh, IO output the player I'm with there that's literally just a plug-in card also so those those would be very simple to install and you can uh, we call it our incre- incremental or, or, or spousal theory of marketing where you can b- buy the basic radio and negotiate that and then add the options over time so or you can think about it as the continuous Christmas checklist so no spouse ever has to wonder what they should buy exactly you give them lots of opportunities for birthdays and other special events so well eric congratulations it looks like a spectacular radio i think it'll they'll all sell out at dayton for sure and i'm sure you guys will do really great with it thanks so much for spending the time thanks a lot george so eric one other thing i wanted to ask you about is a new accessory that you announced about a month or two ago which is an external knob controller for the K3. So could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Actually, at Visalia last month, we introduced a uh, remote knob that plugs into the jack that everybody wants to know what it's for on the bottom of the front panel of the K3 and the K3S. Uh, it's like an RJ family jack, like an RJ45, like an Ethernet cable. Um, I don't know if it's exactly that, but it's close to it. And basically, it's a uh, remote tuning knob and also has some function buttons on it that you can have programmed to control the K3. So in addition, it doesn't preclude using the main VFO knob on the radio, but this knob is the same exact uh, VFO knob and encoder that we use on the K3. Small little box. It's uh, roughly two and a half by two and a half by maybe an inch deep can tilt up on a little tilt feet. You can set that off next to your keyboard or whatever if you're in contesting mode or so you don't, you don't have to move your arms that fast or up and down repetitively to the radio. And you can control a little rocker switch on the front. It can be the VFOA, VFOB, RIT. And then you have, uh, I think, up to, um, there's eight buttons, and I think they have a, a tap and a hold functions. You can have 16, I believe, um, 16 programmable functions on it. So you can have your favorite, you know, quick go split up five or... Uh, uh, do this or that, you know, on the radio quickly programmed, you know, programmed into it ahead of time and operate the radio in a very convenient way for it. So we've, and I'm sure people have a lot of other ideas they do that we haven't even thought of. But the, um, it's called the K-Pod. Uh, some folks call it the K-Knob. <laughs> but uh, the official, as a pod, because it's more than just a knob, it's, 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 a, it's a functional, you know, key, key presses, you know, the eight buttons on there, too. And those are available now? No, they start shipping, uh, looks like June 15th to June 30th. Uh, we'll start shipping against our backlog then, and we'll probably catch up uh, over the next four or five weeks after that. So, Eric, what's the price of the K-Pod? Uh, the K-Pod is two forty nine ninety five, and uh, that was our introductory price. We're still holding that at the moment, so uh, order frequently, order often, and it's up on the webpage. 
I bought two speakers. I guess I'll have to buy two of the knobs because I do have two hands. Well, yeah, I'm ambidextrous, so maybe I, sh- I should do that. A lot of left-handers, people can do both. I, I actually send CW with my right hand and write with my left hand. So I guess you could actually do two things at once with two K-Pods. I don't think you can hook two K-Pods up to one radio, but if you're a single operator, two radio guy, a lot of guys are ordering two of them. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Have a great Dayton. Thanks a lot, George. Uh, our first speaker... Enough of an introduction is probably Eric Swartz, WA6HHQ, co-founder of Elecraft. That's usually enough introduction in this crowd for, for Eric. A few other facts about him. He's been licensed 44 years. He's been involved with Silicon Valley startups other than Elecraft. And uh, he's got an engineering and science degree from Yale and all sorts of other wonderful things QRP Hall of Fame Technical Excellence Award from the ARRL and other such honors and kudos, but mostly he runs a company that makes stuff that we use and we ought to be interested in what he has to say. So with that, Eric, take the floor. Am I live? Am I, am I coming through? Yes. Well, good morning. Morning. I'm uh, still on West Coast time, so this is, uh, you're going to hear me either talk really slow or really fast, because I got very little sleep last night after traveling all day, and then a lot of coffee this morning. So um, if I start talking slow and stop making sense, you can blame it on the sleep, lack, lack of sleep, and if I start talking fast and stop making sense, you can blame it on the coffee. So hopefully I'll be somewhere in between those two. Anyway, thanks a lot for having me, and uh, how many folks know what viral marketing means on the internet? <laughs> I had an interesting morning yesterday walking into the airport in San Jose at about 6.15 going through security. My phone started going crazy. And I go, what's that all about? And I spent the rest of the day on the airplane on the phone frantically trying to recover. But uh, it was actually a good thing, and we'll talk more about that in detail. Obviously, it has a lot to do with what I'm talking about today. And... Uh, Hopefully I'll have a few fun surprises for you and, and a little more information than you may have thought you found on the internet. So just out of curiosity, how many folks think they know what I'm talking about today? That's, pretty, that's a pretty good... Okay. Well, I was at least half the room here has is clueless. I like that. That's, that's, how I feel. <laughs> that's how I feel in the morning. Any case, um, this is actually about uh, some stuff that's near and dear to our heart. We got started uh, actually with the original... Uh, remarking at least for our products with the original QRPL list on the internet. How many folks are uh, still, is the QRPL user group here pretty well represented? Good. Um, you've probably been reading stuff about my talk and what we're not on there too. I've seen it on quite a few lists uh, coming up here. Some folks thought some of my comments I posted yesterday on the internet were from an imposter also. I like that one. They said that couldn't possibly be me. So we were having fun with that. But uh, in any case, uh, this was my, uh, my teaser topic. I think some folks know where it's going now, but uh, we'll still have some fun with it. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, some of our philosophy about uh, shrinking radios. And though some of our radios haven't shrunk, they've gotten bigger, but uh, they do go both directions in terms of the stuff we like to do. Um, but in any case, this, getting back to this group, though, we uh, really have a lot, a lot in common with you guys. We really booted the company by... Uh, focusing on the QRP market. So we've never lost sight of that. If you've noticed, all our radios, even the big ones, usually have a QRP component to them. So uh, we've been able to keep that emphasis throughout from day one. It gives us a lot of nice focus on the radios, and we just happen to be able to get a lot of good performance out of them at the same time. So we we have a a good time with that. So 
Going back just a little bit, um, you guys, how many folks were on the air as ham operators in 1957, 58, you know, in the Sunspot Peak? I was a little too young, so I was born in 57, so I missed that one. Do you guys, do you guys remember um, working uh, when 10 meters was wide open with about one watt working VK with your five or 10 pound handy talkie on AM uh, on 10 meters? That was a lot of fun doing that. Actually, I did it in the, late, you know, in the early 70s when the bands were still alive and certainly later on. Um, we had big openings like that. So uh, Wayne and I have both had um, a lot of interest in small portable radios that you can talk around the world on, as you know. And we'll talk a little bit about that today also. Um, by the way, Wayne is on an airplane on his way here. He wanted to get out here on time, but he couldn't get away with the rest of us yesterday uh, with family duties and everything. In addition to uh, being the CTO of our company, he doesn't sleep much either, but he's, uh, he'll be waking up here this afternoon. He'll be here at vendor night too, so you'll be able to see him at the same time. So a little bit of history first. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to put my glasses on because I'm not awake enough to be able to focus on my screen right now. Uh, just a little history first of all. A um, little background on our products. How many folks have a KX1 or have used a KX1 in the room here? Nice, very, that's our first small trail-friendly radio that we did. Back in uh, 2003, we actually released the K2, of course, back in, uh, we shipped the first one January of 1999. People still have their K2s in the room here? How many folks have built K2s? I think I've built a few too myself. But, uh, <laughs> not, not in the factory, I'm talking about the first, I still think I have one of the first prototypes. Unfortunately, most of my prototypes got ripped apart, you know, typical engineering stuff. We're just trying out new things on them, but I, I try to keep one in good shape, and then that gets stolen for demos somewhere, and they, they keep propagating out, so I have to keep doing more. But um, the K2, of course, we, we, we introduced pretty much through this group, and that got us up off the ground. Um, and as we filed the K2, we were trying to figure out what the heck do we do next? Because that, that one had, had popped off so well. And we're still selling that today. I think there's getting close to uh, 10,000 of those out there now. Um, so in 2003, we introduced the KX1, which was our extreme outdoor, of course, indoor too, on the couch or in the bed even for some people. Uh, if they're not married. If they're married, they probably won't be long if they operate in bed with their KX1. But, um, I won't go there. Uh, anyway, obviously the X in our product names, it relates to um, extreme in the sense of being able to take it outside and operate. Um, it's a trail-friendly radio. If you notice, of course, it has the controls on the top side instead of on the front, so you can actually see it and actually have more surface area too, so you can see a lot more of what we're doing. And uh, of course, it was one of the first nice portable multiband HF transceiver CW, could receive sideband. We had an internal ATU. You could put uh, a little battery inside of it. And uh, we had a very simple display on it, three-digit LED, uh, a simple DDS-based VFO uh, that we could receive sideband, even operate cross-mode, and a nice little variable band with crystal filter on it. So we had a nice functional, small, lightweight radio. A lot of people still use that as their portable soda-type radio today. So that's going back to our first TFR radio. Now, we had a little diversion in 2007 I think uh, I had a lot of fun with this one, too. I forget uh, the day I announced this. It got pretty crazy, too. Um, we did a slight detour to the K3 and the K line. Um, I'm sure we have two K3 owners in the room, too. Yep. And uh, we, uh, this is not all QRP. As you can see, we added a few things that are a little more QRO to it. I'm, I'm not going to ask the QRPers how many of you have the 100-watt or the 500-watt amplifier. Um, we, we won't make you come out of the closet. but. Uh, <laughs> We all do that, but uh, it uh, certainly has it's been a good product for us. But what this did for us is, one, we had to obviously do better performance than the K2, which was quite a challenge, 
and this pushed us to the next level. It also gave us a lot of exposure to uh, the next generation of digital signal processing chips, next generation, obviously, of, of surface mount work and, and what we can do for that in terms of fitting stuff inside a radio that's relatively compact. Um, so this has been a great product for us, certainly it still is to this day. So that was our detour in 2007. Um, so in 2011, we're back to, guess what? The next generation of X radio. Um, and that was the KX1 uh, follow-on, the KX3. This really is why I kept bugging Wayne. I said, I really should do something that's multi-mode so we can capture A, both the CW guys and the sideband guys. And oh, by the way, if we can sneak data in there, since we did that on the K3 where we could decode stuff and, and even send RTTY from your paddle. How many folks have tried that, by the way, where you send CW on your paddle and we convert it to RTTY or PSK31? Confuses the heck out of the RTTY guys when you start using CW Pro signs to sign off at the end. But, um, there's a lot of people using that now. Um, I'll talk about one of them in a minute here when we get down the road. Um, so this is our next generation KX line evolution from the uh, KX1 trail friendly radio. 160 through 6 meters now, plus a little credit card sized 2 meter option. And that thing was quite a challenge to design. So we literally had to fit all of the 2 meter uh, transceiver components for it on a card, single card that was no, no thicker really much than a credit card. And uh, fit that inside the radio. One of our problems is we picked, we picked the size of the radio first, and we got to figure out how to fit all this junk inside. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a tough problem for us. Anyway, um, talk about uh, surface mount stuff. We definitely got it in this case packed in there. Actually, some of the PC boards are eight-layer boards, both for interior, interior shielding purposes and to get all that stuff in there. The cool thing was that we got the K3 display on it, so that was a big, big stuff. I'm sure we I got some KX. I don't want to make you guys raise your hands anymore, but I'm sure we have some KX3 owners in the room. Um, that's turned out to be, in terms of volume, our, our by far our most uh, successful radio out there. It's, it's been a huge huge hit since we introduced it, thank to all you guys and everybody else out there that loves taking that out. It's become sort of the standard radio now for uh, soda and, uh, and uh, home travel de-expedition stuff. And surprisingly, at least to us at first, though as we brought out additional options for it, like the 100 watt amp and especially the pan adapter, I see a lot of pictures on the web. This is the primary home station for a lot of people um, operating. How many folks right now use the KX3 as their home, you know, like the main home station they're operating? What's neat is you can take that and take it out and go portable. So that that's been a great, great radio for us and, and still stays that way. But this really was the nat nice natural evolution from the, um, from the KX1, which is sort of cool. Though a bit larger, and eight AA batteries inside, and, and certainly uh, took a little more space, but we had a nice functional radio you could take with you very quickly. KX3 is about twice the size of the KX1 by weight and volume, but had, of course it had all those extra goodies in there, band coverage, more power, and so on. So while the KX3 can be used handheld, going back now to your 1958 10-meter deep deal, and it's certainly less weight than a 10-pound AM you know, lunchbox, heat kit, or uh, wherever else we were holding and we were going portable in those days, at about 2 pounds, it's a bit hefty to hold in your hand for a long period of time. And also many KX3 owners also asked us for a smaller, lighter, and lower-cost version of this. So we, uh, we went back in the lab and... Had a little fun with this. So, surprise, not a surprise to some of you here. We uh, came out with this and unofficially. Uh, <laughs> so, we shrunk the radio, folks, one more time. You know, I, I used to keep saying that joke, honey, I shrunk the K3 or honey, I shrunk this, but now we shrunk the KX3. Um, and it really is performance that fits in your pocket. And just to give you a, a sense of scale, this is um, my whole station antenna and everything. This is one of the little padded bags we have for this. I'll pop it out here. I've got my cable and everything else in here. I can pick it up. We have a smaller bag you can even put on your belt if you want to channel your inner 
geek or ham radio as you walk around with the radio on your belt. This is, this is much better for a shack on your belt than the HTs, right? So you can, you can operate HF. But uh, that's what she looks like, nice and small, so it really is tiny and handheld. It's hard to convey the size in the pictures. I've, I've got some that make it look so tiny compared to a KX3 because of the perspective, and other ones, I'll, I'll show you some pictures here so you can see the size comparison. So it's about half the volume and about half the, um, the weight of a KX3 loaded up. By the way, you can hear the static there, right? It's got a nice built-in speaker on it and a little built-in mic if you want to go into handy-talking mode. But uh, this little noise, I was packing up for the show, and I heard this weird noise coming from one of my bags. I couldn't figure out what it was. I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> so, but uh, proof the battery is good, too. But we, we'll, uh, we'll have this, the show around here even afterwards if some of you guys want to take a look at it. But this is our goal, is to get good performance again out of our radios and get performance that fits in your pocket. Some of you folks have already seen the data sheet. Some of you folks have already seen our FAQ, which actually is an earlier version of our FAQ. We were uh, uh, viral marketing yesterday to get back in detail on that. We, uh, we sent out some stuff to our distributors overseas. We don't have any distributors in the U.S. We sell direct all around the world, of course, from Ellicraft. But in selected countries where you can actually in parallel have a local person that provides support in a local language, we do that also. Uh, primarily Japan, Germany, uh, Spain, and uh, even though they sort of speak the same language over in the UK, right? So, um, but uh, our Japanese distributor in particular, I think, didn't know how to read that this is not to be released until tomorrow. Uh, it didn't translate. So um, he po quickly posted everything on the web. So, And of course, instantaneously, as my phone started going crazy, you know, where'd all this come from? And of course, then all the news sites picked it up and individual blogs and all the discussion groups. We're trending on Facebook. Yes, the first time we were trending on Facebook in my life, but uh, it, uh, it was pretty amazing. So actually out of that, I think more people probably were talking about it than would have been otherwise, because when you have a scoop, everybody wants to tell their friends and get it out there. So um, we'll claim that we did this on purpose, and then I think that'll, that'll work out fine in the future. <laughs> so there it is. That's the KX3, actually, excuse me. I just want to give you a size comparison. This, these next two pictures are roughly to scale. If you'll notice, the display doesn't change size when I go between the KX3 and the KX2. So I'll bounce back and forth for a second here. So here's KX3, KX2, KX3, KX2. So shrink it down, much lighter, and a lot of other neat little add-ons to it that we added to it also. Um, you can see from a functionality standpoint, and I'll talk more about this in a little bit, we reduced, I certainly had to reduce the number of buttons and controls on there, but um, by the way we redefine things, and we keep the functionality very similar for those of you who have used our other radios, the K3 and the KX3, it, it'll be very intuitive very quickly on how to use it. And uh, we've got the optimal set of controls up at the top level where you can get at them right when you need to adjust your bandwidth and speed for CW or, or RF gain, things like that. But here's an interesting one. Steve uh, WG0AT, who's one of our field testers for this, we've got a great field tester crew, by the way. Um, uh, we got Fred W. What's Fred's called? W the W five the one that runs on top of mountains for so. I'm sorry. That's I wonder if it's called. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, Fred Maya, Maya or I'm thinking of or. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, he has, he has one for the soda expeditions. Yeah. Yeah, he has one too. He's been carrying it on top of mountains, uh, eleven thousand. He runs to the top of these mountains, eleven thousand, fourteen thousand foot mountains. And he's in great shape. Um, and this is Steve, WG0AT, who's, uh, have, how many of you guys seen the videos that he posted yesterday? You know how many hits he's gotten overnight on those? He just texted me this morning, he got 4,000 hits over, over in the last 12 hours on these things. 
So that's good news. So uh, he, he sent this picture to me. It's actually on top of one of the mountains with the, uh, the national the NOAA uh, marker there. It shows you where you are. So that's a KX-1. So we've gone sort of full circle in size, which is interesting, to a KX-2. And what's interesting, though, is in terms of bang for the buck, you got a lot more in that box on the right now because we're multi-mode. We've got higher power. We've got uh, 32-bit DSP, a whole bunch of stuff I'll talk about next. So it's sort of cool to see those two together. It's nice of him to send me that picture. Uh, one thing you'll notice, by the way, which is true of all of our uh, LCD displays, is, well, it's, when it's backlit inside, it's nice and, and orange. You turn that off, of course, to save a little bit of uh, current. And it's transflective, so you get out in bright light like this, you can still read that, and that's true for all of our radios. So we wanted to make sure that you guys could still use that in the sun, and it works out real well. So key features, I'll just go through these real quick. You can certainly come by and talk to us either tonight at the vendor um, uh, conference show, and then also at the booth tomorrow if you want to hang out in the mosh pit of that Dayton there next to us. So, um, so half the volume of the KX3, it's 1.5 by 2.8 by 5.8 inches. Um, same trans, uh, trail-friendly radio form factor as the KX3 and with a, you know, almost identical user interface. And it's great for rapid deployment, um, and that can be from your ham radio shack to the couch in front of the TV to wherever you want to go with it outside. Um, it, uh, is, the KX3, of course, has become one of the standards I mentioned before for soda ops, and I think uh, based on the feedback we're getting so far from the soda guys, I think we're even going to have more of them with these, which is going to be sort of cool. And interestingly enough, and I'll show you some more about this in a little bit, it's a great mobile operation, even at 10 watts. Wayne's been driving around with it in his car and uh, just having a blast. And Ed, W0YK, one of our other uh, field testers, he's, uh, he's an RTTY guy. Have you guys worked Ed in the contests at all over the years? He's the guy that sort of wins every RTTY contest out there. He's operating RTTY mobile by sending with the paddle. I don't know about this, about distracted driving, this is a little scary. Well, he's, he was actually serious, he's on the plane with me coming out, he was seriously asking me, you know, we can decode RTTY or, or CW, RTTY and scroll it by in the little display, which is of course a little distracting when you're driving down the road. Um, he said, hey, if you guys can decode it, can you re-encode it in CW for me so I can copy it in my head? I'll send it back. <laughs> so this may be a feature, I'm not announcing that feature, but that's actually not, that's, that's sort of like how the original decode stuff for, um, for RTTY and PSK became sending from the paddle for that because I was joking with Wayne, hey, we can do it, maybe we can send from the paddle, and the next morning he had the code written for that, so maybe I'll joke with him about this and see if I can talk him into it. Um, it's also great for stealth, as I mentioned, TV ops and DXing from your couch. Um, like I said, don't do it from the bedroom if you want to stay, stay married to your spouse, but it, uh, or at least not, not kicked out. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I've, I've worked a lot of DX just casually having a radio like this, which is real nice, being able to just throw something over a tree or hook it up really quickly. It's only 13 ounces without the internal battery, and I think it's still less than a pound with the lithium-ion battery in there. Um, how do we, you know, some of the things we had to drop a few features out to fit it in this small of a case. Um, the key thing was we took off the two outside bands, the 160 and 6-meter edge coverages, so we're primarily a standard 80 through 10-meter HF coverage. Um, and, of course, the SWL bands you can listen to, and you can listen on 160 also. Uh, typically runs right about 10 watts. Of course, it depends on your battery voltage. And uh, it'll uh, run, we spec it at 8 watts just to be conservative on 10 and 12 meters. And again, this one's uh, SSB, CW, and uh, the data modes, uh, which is, I think, uh, RTTY, PSK31, uh, and is it PSK, is it 63? What's the other PSK mode that's popular right now? I think, I think that's the one that's in there. Um, and what's cool on this thing is, in addition to using, as you see in the picture there, a standard you know, MH3 microphone like you have on your KX3, and those will work on it, you know, same plug and everything. We didn't change the plug, it's the same, same guy. Um, it also has an internal mic, so for an emergency situation or you just need to get on voice, 
it's, it's right there. It doesn't sound too bad. It's, it's not going to be as hi-fi as a hand mic, but it, uh, it works well. We have a speaker on this one. It's actually um, more like your HT speakers, a little flat ones. It has good volume, and it's actually facing out the back, and you get good reflection off whatever surface you're using it on usually, or even if you're holding your hand. So it sounds quite loud, which is great, too. I was real picky about that this time, make sure it sounded good. <coughs> Down to 135 milliamps with the backlight off. And from a 32-bit DSP-based software-defined radio, you won't find anything that low. That, that was the biggest constraint for us. How are we going to get this so it has good battery life? And we used a lot of tricks, but we didn't sacrifice any performance for it either. So it work, works out real well. That, that's the inside stuff. We have a lot of our little secrets, too, to get there, but it, uh, both in software and in the hardware. But uh, we were really pleased with that. Um, I mentioned 32-bit DSP, uh, same uh, generation coming out of the KX3, though I think it's a lower-power version of it. And uh, obviously the same easy, clear-to-read K3 display. So the key thing was keep the same display for it. Um, I think the only thing we changed, we have a polarizer on it, so it, it, because of its orientation versus on some radios, like the KX3, it, it's the downward direction that, that's favored for in terms of high contrast versus a K3, which is more flat to up when you're looking at it on a tabletop. Um, it's a full SDR, just like the KX3, um, RX and TX architecture to baseband and then into the DSP. Um, we're able to do in software dual watch, so you can um, listen plus or minus, I think about 23 kilohertz. So you can run split in the radio. You don't have to buy a sub receiver or do anything like that. It's nice and clean that way. I already mentioned the, uh, the data modes in CW. Um, the DSP, we implement full noise blanker, full uh, noise reduction, auto notch, auto peak filtering. This is just a short list. RF speech compression, um, of course, equalization, both transmit and receive. I think it's eight band EQ, so you can fine tune your microphone sound and make it sound like a Hyle HC4, HC5 if you want, or, uh, or a gold line if you have a good enough mic for that. Uh, we built in a digital video, uh, video recorder, that'd be cool. Uh, digital, <laughs> I see it, coffee's kicking in. Or, 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 uh, digital voice recorder. So this would handle, um, actually with the DSP, it actually will handle a couple of messages built into it also. So you can have your CQ, CQ, soda, or whatever you're doing on there. And as your voice gives out, like mine will shortly, uh, you have some way of at least staying on the radio. Um, a very good Vox with a built-in uh, slight delay line so that you don't have to go up and then start talking the same way as our other radios work. It actually uh, figures out that uh, by the time it detected you, it still got the original sound that probably would have gotten cut off by your traditional radio Vox. So you get a clean transmit receive, and because we're pin diode TR switch, you don't even hear a relay clicking, and you can just talk back and forth like you're talking to somebody. They won't even realize you have Vox turned on unless you're up on a windy mountaintop, and then you probably want to go to PTT. And of course, a noise gate, too, for those noisy days, so we can actually, like a squelch, cut out the background noise, and we then pass it once you get above a certain threshold, you can adjust that. That's true on the KX3 also, so these are KX3 features that translated down to the KX2, so we're doing pretty good. Um, we included a wide range internal ETU, same architecture as the KX3. Of course, we dropped off the edges of the tuning range for 6 meters and 160 meters, but we kept the matching range really of the, of the KX3 when very close to it um, for 80 through, uh, through 10 meters. So it's a great, great ETU. It'll match probably close to on those bands, uh, somewhere between 5 to 1 and 10 to 1 on, on most antennas. In some cases, much better than that, but we don't spec it officially on it. Because if you tune up your keys like somebody was talking about yesterday on one of the blogs, I think it might have to work real hard to get that actually to work. Um, one key thing we did, we worked with a, a battery company out in Silicon Valley to get a custom lithium-ion uh, battery, 11 volt, 2.6 amp hour. And this is a low internal resistance. It, uh, it's great. I mean, I just, like I said, I leave these things on my bag and it's still got full power on it when I come back and find it an hour later. Um, and certainly with a day of transmitting um, or more, 
it, uh, it holds up pretty well. Obviously, if you're in contest mode and you're continually transmitting RTTY, I'm sure you can probably drain it down a little faster, but uh, anybody who's been using it so far has had a hard time killing it off. And though some folks will use as a backup, carry an extra battery. It's sort of cool. It's a, I don't have a picture. I forgot to get one in here of it. It's a movable pack. You can charge it outside the radio. Um, it'll actually has internally and externally in the radio. We have a 2.1 millimeter circular power connector like we use on a lot of QRP radios. So this battery pack, you can plug it into a KX3, you can plug it in externally. Then you have the internal battery pack and say that one runs down. If you had a backup, you just plug it in outside. This is a small little little block of, you know, three, sixteen, eight fifty cells, I think they call them lithium ion ones. And you know, shrink wrapped, it has a built-in uh, over uh, uh, current and also short protection, so it won't melt down on you, hopefully, if you mistreat it. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great tool. I use it on my KX3 also. It's worked quite well for that externally. It won't quite fit inside, unfortunately, because the cells are just a little bit too fat that they use for these to do that. Though I'm sure someone's going to find a way to modify their KX3 and get in there, too. I won't officially know about that until I see it, but uh, I bet you somebody probably could squeeze it, but it might warp the case if they do it. Um, we also came out with, and you see a, a CAD picture of this, a neat little precision paddle. Let me see if I've got it. Where did I put the bag here? Right here. We put the K KXPD3 paddle. How many folks have those on their, on their radios? You know, those guys, the, the metal ones. And by the way, all the ones we ship, and we've been shipping for months now, actually have the additional wires that some people were adding to them for better contact stuff. It's actually something we can do to swap you guys out and upgrade you for, for that if you have the older paddles. Um, this guy... I'll show you a picture in a second. Is uh, I don't know if you can even see that out there, but it's a nice tiny guy. It's got the same kind of paddle motion, but uh, it's actually got, and I'll show you some neat things about it, uh, a different overall mechanical design, and it's much lighter and also has less throw in terms of depth. And I think I may have a picture of that coming up in a second. Um, we have a neat little board that uh, is a real-time clock, but also a general purpose I.O. for your own use. You can control it from the radio and turn on and off a couple of outputs. And, uh, for instance, Wayne was thinking you could control a relay box on a uh, mobile antenna or something like that, either a down screwdriver type antenna or switch in a coil for, you know, different bands and stuff like that. But you could do all sorts of, just whatever you want to do with it. Um, mentioned the microphone amplifier and the cases I'm talking about there. This is the CS60, which is the one you can fit a whole station in. The CS40, as I mentioned, is half the size. You can get a KX3, some earbuds with a mic. You can actually have a little adapter cable, plug those into this and have the microphone work also, uh, like your Apple or any, any four-pin cell phone type, type connector for it, which is sort of cool. So that'll fit inside the smaller case. So there's a comparison of the two paddles, the KXPD3 on the left and the KXPD2. The main reason we did it this way, I mean, did the smaller paddle, is yes, the KXPD3 will work on the radio, but you've got a much longer lever arm when you, especially like me, a heavy CW sender, and radio starts moving around on it because it's got such a long arm. Um, I have to hold the radio when I'm sending, which is not impossible. You can, you can certainly do that. But the uh, KXPD2, uh, we dropped the weight down. Um, that's actually a 3D printed enclosure on it out of uh, polycarbonate. And this thing's as strong as a lot of the stuff we use elsewhere in some of our products, including like the displays that we use in front of the uh, radios in terms of covering the LCD and stuff. And it's amazing what they can do these days. We can do curves and shapes that you could never do machining easily with this. And it actually provides an insulated mounting for the paddles too. So. Is, is a very clean solution for us. This is sort of cool also. Um, how many folks have the side KX side panels on their KX3s and the front clip over thing? Well, he's got, um, this is his first prototype. It's actually a 3D printed prototype of the mobile mount for the KX2. And the KX2 literally will clip into it. The little thumb screws on the back will go into those detents on the right and the left. And you can put a RAM mount behind it and mount it to your car or wherever else you want to mount it. 
I've been threatening to put one in my, I'm a private pilot and I have a Cessna, I've been threatening to put one in my plane for a while. No, I'm not going to operate while I'm flying because that would be a little distracting, but uh, I, uh, my wife's also a pilot, so if she's flying, maybe she'll let me talk on the radio. We sort of funded this HF portable with it too. So he, he's going to actually, I think he's bringing this to the show, he'll be over at our booth uh, showing this off too, which is, which is pretty cool. So real quick, um, KX2 design, how do we reduce the KX2 to half the volume of the KX3? Well. Certainly wasn't easy. We've been working on this for a number of years. These radios don't get designed overnight, and, and not even in 12 months. You know, conceptually, we start talking about these things sometimes three, four years ahead of time, and the real crunch is over the last 24 months usually get them out the door. And the, the final 90%, of course, as many of you in engineering know, gets done in the last 10% of the time. It feels like sometimes. So, getting that thing solid. Uh, one thing that is nice is that we actually got this one done in time to actually have units with us at the show when we announced it instead of making you wait six months for it. So um, I brought uh, 50 of them with us, which is all we could, that's a lot in terms of volume, get out here with us to the show. And they're building them like crazy back at the factory right now too. So we're, we're in pretty good shape with that. So in any case, um, what we do to get there? Well, first of all, we use extensive 3D modeling. Now, this has been huge for us in terms of time saving. Uh, we can actually both model, do what-if stuff, we can change things, we can see how the board's going to fit in here, what if we change this, or things that you know, all fit together. You can actually see it all. And then you can generate, like in the case of the sheet metal or machine parts, the files that actually get sent to the fabrication house, and the stuff just comes out right as long as they, their computer programming actually goes directly into it. It's not manually programmed by them at all now. So at least the clerical errors that you would get when manually translating from prints, those are eliminated, so it speeds our whole cycle on that. But being able to quickly do prototypes this way, quickly being able to play what-if games even just on the computer is wonderful. So we start out with a program that's actually just a basic, for, you can give them, it used to be free, I think it still is, from Trimble Navigation, um, is the SketchUp program. And Wayne will do like, and the other guys will do mock-ups. That's a 3D x-ray shot of the KX2 on the left there. And we can see how everything fits together. And this concept, oh, that's not gonna fit. We gotta move it around, the battery's gonna be in the way here. Stuff you just wouldn't know until you built it otherwise. And then same thing on the paddle, that was the uh, initial CAD design for the paddle on the right. And then we'll translate directly into uh, SolidWorks, which is a high-end CAD package that does all the formal you know, dimensioning and, and stuff to make sure it's absolutely what we want before we actually send it out for fabrication, either 3D printing in the case on the right here. You can sort of see it's shaded. That's part of the, enclo uh, the, the enclosure for the paddles in terms of holding them in place. That, uh, that was all done 3D printing for us, actually in production, which is sort of neat, but we also did the prototypes that way. We tried a lot of what-ifs, which is, which is a lot of fun to do it that way, even before we build something. We also used CAD uh, to design a new lightweight uh, sheet metal enclosure for this, so we, we found out where we could reduce metal gauge or that loss of strength, and where we had to keep it thick, and you know how, how we could put bends in to add strength, things like that, so we did a lot of neat stuff there. Of course, I mentioned before that we did this custom-designed lithium-ion battery, and it, uh, hopefully it'll be a very good one in terms of not just for the uh, KX2, but for other products like the KX3. Um, we actually did uh, not really high tech, but we did some new injection low profile knobs. Again, just trying to get the volume that this takes up so you can fit it in your pocket or more importantly in a small bag or your backpack. Um, and then we eventually reduced the key functions from on a KX3 where there's 40 unique key functions down to 24. Um, again, it's, it's the core group that you need to operate every day, so it's, it's, you aren't really losing anything there. The functions are all still there, you don't lose anything. It's just that we moved some to the top level of the menu that are less commonly used and kept all the top main ones on the, on the buttons there with the tap and hold functionality that we have. 
uh, high density circuit boards again, this is a big deal. One of the key things we do, not just to cram all the components in there, but because of the close proximity of boards, when we've got a DSP board and an analog RF front end board within about a quarter to an eighth of an inch of each other. And if anybody's ever done that, it's an interesting layout exercise of keeping them from talking to each other. Um, we had that a uh, little bit less so in the KX3 we had to work with. This was a, more of a challenge. We actually got most of the crosstalk taken care of without any shielding at all um, in terms of external shielding. We finally added a little bit of new metal between the boards in one spot. But the key thing we could do is when we added internal shielding on the inner layers of the board, and then we put components on the other side of that ground layer, for instance, keep it away from the stuff that we uh, want to get, have cross-coupled into. And uh, we also, of course, both through the CAD initially, we could move things around and say, okay, we don't want this near that guy. And you can see it in three dimensions. It's always hard to picture that when you have two separate boards. Being able to do that with the CAD and play around with it was, was a huge time saver for us. And probably knocked off you know, four months or so about on the design cycle, being able to do that with all our stuff. Um, and I mentioned 3D printing to create this uh, polycarbonate paddle frame too, which is neat. Key, the key guys on the design team, I get, I get to, I don't list myself because I'm sort of involved in everything, and, and Wayne and I get to argue until late hours of the night whether we should do XYZ design feature or how it should be done. But the core guys here, certainly Wayne is our CTO. Uh, Rich Heineck, um, who actually is the cousin of the uh, WG0AT uh, Goatman hiker video guy, and uh, so he's, uh, he's been with us in, up out of the, uh, near the Seattle area. We have an engineering team, by the way, all the way from up run the part of Seattle, um, all the way down through Tucson, Arizona, where Lyle Johnson, our DSP expert, lives. And of course, Lyle was one of the co-founders of Tucson Amateur Packet Radio, so he's been around quite a while. Also, he has, I think Lyle has more um, uh, uh, digital control systems, computer control systems on the satellites orbiting the Earth right now of any other ham in terms of ham satellites. And that's been true for quite a while. He's designed a lot of them for AMSAT over the years. And then Matt Zilmer, who's one of our uh, key guys also, he is the uh, um, one of the key designers on this one. And so those four guys did a great job. We'd also like to thank all of our field testers. We had a key group of field testers, a lot of soda guys, as I mentioned, a couple of them, uh, Steve and Fred, uh, W3DX, Rob. Um, actually, I think several of those guys posted their reviews on Eham yesterday. They, they opened up a category. They got all excited and got out as soon as the stuff actually broke on the web. They asked us if we could put it up and said, hey, it's already leaking out. Go ahead and do that. And, uh, but they, uh, they and the rest of the field testers have done a great job for us. And, uh, and so far, the feedback they've given us has been invaluable. That's pretty one of the key things we do of all of our products. Um, if you'd like to take a closer look up, again, we'll be at the vendor night tonight. Um, I may or may not be awake. <laughs> hopefully, Wayne will, be, Wayne, Wayne will be here for sure. I might, I'll be here for a little bit, but I'll, I'm going to take some naps during the day, hopefully, after we get set up, or at least in the, in the back of the car. Hopefully, they'll wake me up in time for, for, the, for the FDIM thing tonight. And uh, certainly, we're going to have KX2s at the, at the show tomorrow. And they're all, they're all pre-built with... Um, with AX uh, AT2, the tuner built into it, so it's about 90% of our customers get those, and it's, we can't configure at the show. And certainly, um, we'll be, when we run out of those, we'll be shipping from the factory next week, too. We'll be keeping pretty busy. So there, um, by the way, there's a picture of, and this is actually one of the ones that's out of perspective. I think it's sort of cool. It overemphasizes, it makes the KX2 look even smaller. Uh, Steve took this on top of one of the other mountains, and uh, he had both the KX, uh, KX2 and the KX3 there. And if you guys have seen the videos, uh, you can see the video, there, there's two of them. The one that has uh, his friend driving the car and saying, hey, we're gonna use a KX2 today. Um, when he told his friend, he had no clue that when they first were going out that something new was gonna <coughs> pop up on the horizon. And uh, Steve asked me if we could have this guy see it. And I said, sure, go ahead and show it to him. Just make sure you have him sign a non-disclosure after you guys do that. And uh, they, they didn't leak it out at all. But uh, they had a lot of fun with this. So um, 
I got a few more minutes. What time are you guys going to kick me off? Another three or four minutes, five minutes? How much time do I have? Yeah, no, 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 no. I got let the next guy get on. We've also got um, some uh, data sheets on the um, we call the KX line, which covers both the KX2 and KX3. Dave back there in the middle with the blue hat on or off um, has a box back there, so we can hand some of those out later too if you want, or in, as I get off here. So, what else can I answer about this? Or anything? Yes, sir. Oh yeah, well, I was trying not to be too much of an advertisement. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm up here talking. About, it's uh, seven hundred and forty-nine dollars uh, for the KX2. Uh, the comparison to the KX3, uh, the kit version is what, 949, and the built version is 1049. So it's, uh, it's quite a bit less than that if you're talking $300 less. Um, it's only available, I, this, this is something that I want to make sure you have understand. It's only available built, and that's something departure for us. We looked at it and we looked at what we we're going to run into when people build this one. There were some of the connectors that were small between the boards, some of the other small proximity stuff. We realized it was going to be a problem for people building it themselves. It's quite simple in the sense that the board's going together, so you're not losing that much in this case. But that's why we decided to produce it one way here. Yes, sir? Um, the, you're going to sell me tomorrow. <laughs> Get there early. <laughs> uh, will it interfere with my um, there's one little cable that costs $9.95 that gives you an amp output. Uh, one of the challenges we had, on the KX3, for instance, you've got uh, two outputs. You have one for the serial uh, connector or USB connection. And this has the same protocol as the KX3, so the logging programs, everything else, just work with it. And on the KX3, uh, we had a separate jack that you could bring out the key line for. Uh, we had to combine those into one jack on this one just because of area on the boards. So um, you've got on a four pin, another four pin connector like you use for the microphone, um, PTT and um, the um, transmit receive signal for the serial slash USB. We have a little cable, it's basically a Y cable, that 995, so you want the amp, if you can plug the serial one into that no matter what, but if you want to split out the amp, you plug this thing in and you get one connector for a 3.5 millimeter for the serial and a 2.5 millimeter for the amp. You can run it right to the amp and that can plug right into our KXPA 100 amp cable. Uh, actually, both of those can. It'll talk yeah, to me now. You betcha. It's here at the show. It's at the show. Right down one. <laughs> I'm taking orders. <laughs> uh, I'll get everybody here. Yes, sir. How far down can you reduce the power? Uh, it's typical of most of our radios. I think we can get down to close to um, 100 milliwatts or less. I want, I'm not sure how much below that it'll do, but I know that we've, we've got a control range. David, does that sound correct to you? Yeah, 100 milliwatts is officially. I think you can do lower, but we expected that. I had a couple back here. I'll come back up front in a minute. Yes, sir. You're standing up, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, Bruce Pryor, N7RR. Uh, oh, Bruce is another one of our field testers, by the way. Thank you. Uh, just a couple of comments. Uh, since this radio has to have fewer buttons on it, uh, radio has to be smarter in some ways. And this, for band cha uh, uh, changing bands, this is better than any helicraft radio. You push the band button, and then you use the, the main key of the tuner dial get to either up or down. It is cool. It is just for, for changing frequencies. I mean, I think I'm just really enthusiastic. You can shoot through them real quick if you want. In the back, in the back uh, yard, I spent two days optimizing antennas, and I figured out one antenna, which this will use without a unit, uh, on all bands is covered. If you want to write down 51 feet, for the antenna length and 13.1 uh, feet for the um, uh, the counterpoise. That's an antenna that runs the entire radio. 
And by the way, we've got a BNC to a binding post adapter. Of course, we have all these at the show, too. Yeah, I brought enough to at least match up with the number of radios we're selling at the show physically to do that. Um, I'm going to limit people to one battery per radio. If they want to get two, we'll ship the other ones from the factory because I don't want to run out here. But I'm um, sorry, we had, uh, let me get this person in front. And then... uh, the tuner is 100 and, um, see, it's less than the KX3. It's 179, I think it is, for the added on to it. Um, I had the one in back first. Uh, yes, sir. Here. <coughs> now the DSPs, NA, and someone have to correct me on this. I forget if it's the TI or I think it's it maybe the analog devices one. But uh, no, it's not an FPGA on this one. It's, this is a, a, a basically a front end RF conversion quadrature mixer down to baseband directly into the DSP on two. Uh, I think it's 14 bit uh, analog to digital converters. Yes, sir. I'm interested in transversion drivers. Could you comment on the receiver transmit noise in the IP3? Um, I don't have. Uh, IP3 on radios actually is sort of meaningless. It's better to use the dynamic range number because if I want to put an attenuator in there, I can make the IP3 look great. Um, but in terms of dynamic range, we're talking about uh, there's no roofing filter like we had in the KX3. There was an additional added about um, about 8 dB of additional dynamic range to it. So it runs around 96, 97 dB of uh, third order dynamic range which is still quite good. It sits on the top 10 or 15 radios there on Sherwood's list. Um, we were trying, again, to squeeze everything down for that. That's the same thing. If you've updated your KX3 in split mode, not split mode, but in sub-receiver mode, we have to turn off the, that filter anyway to do that, to have the DSP see the wider bandwidth. So it, it, except for extreme situations, maybe we have a transmitter right next to you, uh, you're not going to notice that at all. The phase noise is very close to the KX3. We're using the same family of a silicon systems chip for the main source. It probably is a few dB worse, but not horrible. But it, it's not. It's not. It's much cleaner than most of them. Certainly in the QRP category, but most radios out there. Other question here? Yes, sir. In the back. If you load it up, I, if I put everything you could possibly buy, cases, everything else, you're a little over a thousand dollars, probably eleven hundred bucks or something like that. I'm not including the 100 watt amplifier, of course, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you can find a way to get higher than that. But that's that's that'd be. <laughs> I won't stop you, but uh, I, I mean, we're, I, my target, I, I'd say the average guy is going to wind out walking out of here paints somewhere between. You know, if you're going to get the auto tuner, it's going to kick you up around 900 bucks anyway. So, um, but that that and the battery will get you right around a thousand dollars or a little less than that. So you're in pretty good shape. Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. You know, to run 10 watts with the internal battery until you run the battery down too low, but it's quite tolerant of that. And this battery has a nice flat discharge curve relatively. You, know, you don't see it until it falls off the end and it wants to really go. And you'll see it going. Oh, I did mention a couple of things. I'll, I'll get your question in a second here. We have a neat feature in here. Uh, like most of our radios, we can monitor voltage, we can monitor current. Uh, a whole bunch of other things. We're also monitoring milliamp hours. You can reset that like when you put your battery in there and you can see how many milliamp hours you've used up. That's pretty cool. Um, and you get calibrated what your battery really gives you. We cal the batteries, of course, say 2.6 amp hour. You're probably not going to get exactly 2,600 milliamps out of it, depending on how you load it or how hot it is or cold, things like that. But you can track that also, too, which is very nice. Um, I would say if you're going to run RTTY or heavy-duty mode, you're probably going to reduce it down over time. If you're in the sun, of course, you're going to heat up the case a lot faster. I'm just waiting for the heat sink guys to come out with their heat sink for the kids, too. Um, which is fine. Um, we, uh, we actually like to see this sort of in, in, you know, eco structure of, of third party vendors out there because it makes it really interesting. Uh, you got a question back here? Yeah. Um, the 
Does it come with a specific different charger because it's a lithium-ion, or how does that work? Um, we've got a charger for it. I think it's like $24, $25, that uh, is a smart charger for the... And literally, it has a 2.1 jack. You plug this battery into it. And it charges it up, and it won't. You know, it's not going to melt it down or anything. So it's not. Nice. Charge it in case. How do you do that? Uh, you don't charge in case. You have to pop it out of the case to charge it. Uh, we, that's one thing we we couldn't put a charger in the radio. Couldn't physically fit it in, and we didn't want to have it set up to be charged in the radio because someone's going to hook up something to it and blow it up. You know, we wouldn't know what people would do to it. It'd be horrible if we did that. So we uh, we use you have two thumb screws. You pop it open, and it's actually easier to open up than the KX3 because the boards are not in separate halves of the radio. This one just has the speaker on the back. There's even a little connector you can pop off the cable for that so you can just have the back cover off cleanly. And all the boards are nice one front module on the radio. So it's, it's nice and clean that way too. Yes sir, any other questions? All right, well thank you. It's right on schedule too. Thank you very much. You know where to find us. Uh, again, uh, we got some propaganda in the back and you know where to find us tomorrow too. So thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys uh, listening to me this morning. And, uh,